0: Welcome to episode 59. As always, you can find the podcast on the web at enterprisehardcorepodcast.com. You'll find all the streaming and social social media information on there. Uh, linking to the social media information will bring information on upcoming episodes. Uh, the next, next couple episodes are gonna feature Tom Bullman, Rich Thurston, Paul from The Red Death, Joe from Carbon Records, and I got plenty of other stuff coming up. So just keep an eye on the website and the social media for all the information. Uh, there's a Patreon. If you want to donate a couple bucks per month, uh, we're trying to upgrade the gear and do some live episodes and some other cool stuff. Uh, thanks to everybody who's participated in that so far, and uh, we'll have some cool stuff coming up, like uh, the episodes will be coming out a little bit earlier and some video feeds for people for that too. Uh, there's a couple upcoming shows coming up in town. Uh, just uh, keep you on the Instagram for that. Uh, so yeah, this is episode 59. Uh, so this has kind of been a little while in the work so I'm pretty excited. Uh, we got a few of the guys from Hourglass. Uh, we're going to be talking about. I guess the kind of like the past, present, and the future with these guys because uh, they were active mainly in the nineties, but they kind of reformed a couple of years ago as we'll get to, and just a lot of cool stuff to talk about. So uh, without further ado, I'm gonna bring on G- uh, Gerald first. How's everything going for you tonight, man?
1: I'm doing very well. How are you doing tonight, Josh?
0: I'm doing great. And then we're gonna bring on Aaron. How are you doing tonight, Aaron? Hey, not bad. How are you? I'm great, man. And uh, Michael? <laughs> good to see you. Again. Yeah, it's good to see you, Aaron. And how are you doing tonight, Michael?
2: I'm good. Thanks for having
0: us. Yeah, thanks. Like I said, we've been working on this for a little while. I feel like Gerald and I have been talking about this for probably close to a year now, honestly. Um,
1: yeah, we have been we have been going back and forth a couple of times, but um, a, as with uh, a couple of different things going on in our world, things take longer uh, than you expect, especially in this day and age. So, not a problem. I'm glad I'm glad we could finally connect.
0: It actually probably worked out for the better, too, because, like, as we're going to get to, you guys have more stuff coming up now. So um, there's probably a little bit more to talk about now than there would have been to talk about, like, nine months ago, you know, so.
1: Exactly, exactly. You know?
0: <laughs> um, so I guess before uh, we dive into what's going on now, um, we'll kind of talk about, like, the the earlier years of Hourglass. And, and one thing I didn't mention to you before we were kind of prepping for the interview is just kind of, like, what were the bands that kind of led to Hourglass before type thing? You know what I mean? Yeah, I was
1: really only in one one band before that that was called Next to Nothing, um, which was myself and Marcus Natty, who plays guitar for us now. He was playing bass, and it was originally um, Joel Stanishevsky who played in other Buffalo bands like like Drago and um, I'm trying to think of some of the other bands. I mean, he was in Daybreak. Um, he lives out in Vegas now and plays in a in a newer band called The End of Everything. Um, but yeah, we that was our first band. It was I, I met Joel. Um, we both went to St. Joe's and we both, which was a, a local um, Catholic high school, and we were both doing the summer work program because it was uh, cost a fair bit of money to go there, so to supplement our tuition, um, we would work and basically help maintain the school over the summer. Um, so we were like painting the classrooms and that's how I I met him. Cause you know, we, we were both kind of, you know the skater kids that were into like, you know into punk and, and some hardcore and stuff. So, um, what was that Aaron?
3: Nothing but trouble. <laughs>
2: yeah,
1: yeah. Um, it's funny because Joel is very, was actually uh, his neighborhood that bordered Aaron's neighborhood at, at the time. And some of the earlier bands that Next to Nothing um, played with, like earlier Bill Page bands, um, I'm sure Aaron was familiar with, or you're probably at least aware of since your your neighborhoods were adjacent. Yes, um, very adjacent. <laughs> but so, yeah, um, Next to Nothing, I, th- I think we did it, I don't know, maybe a year a year and a half. Um, and I, I started, I know you were asking me before, um, That's I kind of started booking shows as well through doing the band. Um, and we started making connections. Like we played in Rochester. I know we played the Penny Arcade or whatever the Penny Arcade was called in, in 1993. Um, and we played in Syracuse. Um, we played Lost Horizon a couple of different times. Um, one the the final time kind of caused or was one of the reasons that caused the demise of of next nothing and and michael actually joining the band and us making the transition um but yeah um next nothing was actually doing pretty well and we were you know we played eerie we, we, we played you know kind of um all around the region which was surprising i mean i was 17 years old my mom somehow let me drive her car and take other of my friends to these places and and do the stuff um so yeah um but while actually um sorry to be um taking up all of the the conversation here but um i know you guys weren't we're in next to nothing so we'll get through this real quick um so speaking Mm -hmm. of uh our travels so we went to Erie one time, um, we, we played with uh, Abnegation or one of the early, there might have even been a band before Abnegation, and uh, I can't, I, we might have played with Slowpoke, this, this really cool um, kind of groovy metal hardcore band from Pittsburgh. And there was a snowstorm and on the way back, um, we got stuck and our singer's parent, or singer had relatives that lived on the way back kind of in between Erie and Buffalo, and we spent the night with them. But the problem was that, that Joel, our drummer at the time, had told his parents that he was staying at my house. And I, I told, um, well, my mom knew that we were going, so I didn't have to, to lie about it. But yeah, he, he lied about where he was going to be for the evening and ended up uh, getting busted and got grounded for like an, ex- an extraordinary amount of time, which is why um, we we stopped playing with him. And uh, then Billy actually joined the band, who is now our, our current drummer. So um, at the end, so we played a show in Syracuse. And then there was a um, Jay, our singer at the time, did not show up to that show. And we basically played a bunch of covers. And then we had another show booked locally. um, And Jay couldn't make that show either. And Michael ended up singing with us. Like we just played the same kind of set of covers. We played like mouthpiece and integrity. We might have even played like Earth Crisis. It was really like cheesy. Um like really bad. But um yeah, Michael sang with us that night and it was a good show. Like I remember like we were we were well received for how goofy it was. And um yeah shortly thereafter we made we made that transition to him as as the singer. So we did cut a demo as hourglass with with Jay Dorn, the prior the next to nothing singer. Um, and that did have Joe Orlando was then playing bass on it, who was in the, the later um, incarnation of Hourglass with Michael. So, you know, members kind of, you know, transitioned along the way due to due to different circumstances. But that we we do have that first demo is up on Bandcamp. Um, and that lineup is myself and and Billy, our current drummer, um, Joe Orlando on bass. And Matt Roberts. So, so Marcus um, had left at that point. I don't even remember the circumstances, and we have even talked to Marcus about it. And I don't even remember the circumstances of Marcus leaving um, the band and, and Joe taking over for him. But it kind of happened before we recorded that that first demo, um, and then Michael came in, and then kind of we we went from there.
0: <laughs> at first demo, to me anyway, it seems it has more of like a '90s like hardcore sound than like the later Hourglass stuff. You know what I mean? Um, oh,
1: for sure. For sure, you know,
0: and it's funny you mentioned abnegation because I'm actually thinking about hitting one of those guys up for an interview, like like later on tonight to do an interview in the next couple of weeks because you know I, I, they're another oh, nice. one of those back together, so I kind of want to talk to one of those guys about that. So,
2: yeah, I think the I think the performances we did uh, were really, you know, when we we're playing a show, that's where it really started to transition from that, like earlier sound because there was just so much energy and like things got faster, things got like more intense. Like I, um, and like, yeah, that early stuff, it was more like, this is what we're supposed to sound like. And like, <laughs> uh, that's what we did. And then it became this evolved thing. And then the second time we capture it, it's it's a version of that evolution.
1: I was going to say, you got to think about the time period too. I mean, this is like 93 going into 94. I mean, there there's a lot of metallic chugga chugga hardcore out there. Like that was what was popular. And that's what we were trying to emulate. I mean, I, I was playing guitar for like a year, you know, like I could barely, you know, when next to nothing, I think we did three, two or three different demos as next to nothing. And like there, you know, they're they're pretty dreadful, you know, <laughs> listen, like I I don't want to listen back to them now. I barely want to listen to that first Hourglass demo. Like at least like I feel like you can at least in that first Hourglass demo, like I do listening back to it now as like a 40 year old man. Like you can still hear like where we are headed, which is kind of cool. Like listening back to whatever 16 year old me and, and listening to the evolution of the band. Um, so I guess it's interesting from that perspective, at least. <laughs>
0: at what point was there like a conscious decision to kind of like evolve from that sound to like the more signature hourglass sound though you know what i mean like was there like like and were there influences in that too because like there weren't like a ton of bands doing that kind of stuff at that point there were some yeah, you know what i mean but
1: i i think it kind of was like where where at least for me personally i mean i can't speak for for matt or joe um but i i did do a a lot of the, the writing like on the first the hourglass the the four or five song demo um and i i probably wrote like half of the songs on the seven inch um it was definitely i was getting into a lot of different stuff i mean i i came up on like the more traditional hardcore stuff and obviously in the the earlier 90s like getting into like the the chugga chugga like earth crisis and earlier victory stuff and then early initial record stuff and just stuff from our region and The bands that were going on you know i then the whole like midwest like emo sound and and ebullition and gravity and um even in like new jersey like bands like iconoclast like there were there were all these other like different kind of bands like and they were they they fell under the hardcore umbrella but it was definitely way different than you know revelation records kind of hardcore the stuff that was coming out on victory or new age or other labels that were like popular like within the quote-unquote hardcore scene at the time so like i don't know things were just really expanding and people were taking things in a lot of different directions and i started just really kind of clinging to that i've always liked just like different and odd kind of music i'm always even to this day like i'm a huge vinyl collector but like I'm always just looking for something that that sounds like something I've never heard before, you know? And I feel like, so yeah, like I was already clued into like the, the earlier, like nineties hardcore kind of stuff that was more like atypical and around at the time. But then there were just like all these other weird sounds and these weird bands doing stuff, you know, and that definitely seeped into, to what we were doing. And then kind of the influence of, of Canada would, would definitely, I, I I would, Compound that on top of it, um, when you had a band like, like Grade, where they went from being incision like you know, totally copying like integrity like heavy you know E chord chugga riffs, turning into Grade, which like was one of my favorite bands at the time, and that definitely. I've told I've told Kyle multiple times that that definitely like influenced like me and like where I went and like music that I got into. Maybe not necessarily completely the direction that we took Hourglass in, but you know I definitely got more into that like more like I guess second wave emo or you know even the tail end of the first wave
2: um, when that all that stuff kind of came out, like you know the kind of faith no more and like. Tori Amos and like, just all the other like mainstream stuff that was happening where it was like really emotional and it was really powerful, like just across like genres, like it's like that really sung out, I think, in a lot of like 90s alternative, like, you know, no matter what kind of spectrum you were on so cuz i i yeah like grade and um falling forward and like these other bands that you saw live and it was like you got like this like just energy from it um and uh so i think it 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 came from a lot of that um even more mainstream stuff uh for me too
0: and that's something that I don't really talk a lot about on the, this podcast, obviously, is like mainstream music. But like the 90s, like and I know anybody can say like my era was like the best era, but like like I'm a little bit younger than you guys, but not that much. Like I feel like 90s, like alt rock and like pop music was like a step ahead of like any other, you know, like especially this generation and like the one before it. You know what I mean? Like there hasn't been anything like that I've heard well, on the radio. Yeah, since. It, was at, the, it yeah. was at
2: the hinge of like party, let's have fun like 80s, like crazy and yeah. like you know, and just really experimental and at times even goofy, you know, I mean like all of that to then bridging this like underground, you know, thing that was really truly, you know, in a big way still underground at that point. But, you know, like you know, listening to some of the fake, no more stuff. Like Mike Patton is like full on screaming his like guts out, you know? And it's like,
1: yeah. Would you, would you ever hear that on pop radio nowadays? Like like looking looking at the dichotomy, I always think of like, like guns and roses, for example, like, like welcome to the jungle. Like I cannot see like pop radio ever playing something just like, i mean it's it sounds like a fucking crazy person like the first time like i heard that song obviously like i was pretty young but like man I, you don't hear shit like that on the radio anymore i'm sorry it, it's nowhere near anything like that
0: well it's the opening scene to the movie lean on me too so it always makes me think of that scene because i don't know if you guys just know that, <laughs> that movie but it's a fucking crazy scene it's like you're just like seeing like all these people like all beat up and like more uh they're walking in like this fucked up high school and like that song's playing just it just always takes me back to that but um (laughs) so like what were like the kind of like the early shows like when you were like kind of starting to play this kind of sound in buffalo like and like other
1: areas i guess i don't know i don't think it was like that well received like i always felt like we were like the like You know, like, we did okay, but I always felt like we were just, like, always on, like, the outside of, like, the really, like, like, the snap case or, like, you know, um, like, when we started going, like, Despair started picking up or, like, Slugfest before that, like those were like the really big bands and like obviously that's like that's what you want to be you know but like we we're always like right like next to them or right right outside well not necessarily be but like you you'd like to be like <laughs>
2: I know. I know. as
1: well received as those as, as those bands <laughs> especially when 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 you're you know a 17 year old Like playing, you know, crazy hardcore
2: music, so. Yeah, no, um, we were, it, it, they, <laughs> those shows had very different vibes. You know, I remember um, I, whatever that, you know, kind of loft thing that was in, you know, by the Erie Canal. Um, uh, in Kenzie's? I think so, uh, yeah. In Lockport. I mean, I remember yeah. those, like, the, the vibe of those places. Um, but I don't really remember what we did, you know? Yeah, I remember yeah. a lot more what we did once uh, we started to play in Canada and then kind of beyond
1: there. Because they're like, I think
2: they're like Discovery Records, like, like we, there was a, a, a couple of shows we played there. From the people that were there. And like, again, that was a big part of what made us, like, uh, I think, have the presence that we had because it was not just showing up and throwing down what you throw down. It was like getting that feedback and like feeling that, you know, energy from the people that were there that I think made our track that we were on and we were going on, like become a little bit more um, totally terrible word for the time, but refined. (laughs) Uh, Aaron, I guess before I
0: ask these guys about the recorded output back then, as somebody who was not in the band at the time, uh, I, I I know we're talking years ago, but what are your memories of of seeing Hourglass back then?
3: Haha, ha. I loved Hourglass. That's why I'm stoked that this is happening uh, I was always <laughs> the first time I saw you guys was at uh, was it the Church of Nativity. Wasn't the one where uh, Jay Dorn did some songs, and then Mike came out and did some, right? I think it was just
1: all I think it was just all Michael that night I think it was just like covers
3: oh okay well
1: i, you I, know, I know better at least, than I, did. I know at least <laughs> it ended in all with with covers of Mike uh, and Michael doing covers and I know we played Earth crisis and it was like bedlam
2: I also think next to nothing played that <laughs> played that church and Nativity like three times in like three months
3: <laughs> yeah that's true too that's yeah. That makes sense actually. I think I fused a couple memories together anyways, but uh and then when I saw you guys open for uh was it Bloodlet? Wasn't it you guys Despair Bloodlet? Is that the right show? Was Talk that to- at Discovery? Yes.
1: It was either Despair and Chokehold or I can't remember who else played with Bloodlet. We played
3: Both of them. I can't remember the Uh, line. Either way, I think it was the Bloodlet show. I I remember you guys. I specifically remember hearing Consumed, which uh, started a long line of uh, ongoing joke with Gerald and I. (laughs) (laughs) But anyways, no, I fucking loved Hourglass. They're one of my favorite Buffalo bands because, like they were saying, they were just on the, just outside of the the main bands they were kind of weird like they were noisy they weren't like tough guy but they were super energetic and unpredictable and i don't know i think either gerald and joe i think i've been hit in the head by their headstocks more than once but i never really <laughs> knew them until um until now i mean they were they we're always like on kind of what's up basis it's like oh those guys are kind of mean they never talked to me And now and now that we've been now that we're in a band together, I'm like, oh, they're just kind of awkward like me. (laughs) So so, better late than never. Yeah. But I I like because they were mysterious. Now the now there's no mystery to me. I'm like I'm, I'm just
0: kidding.
2: It's I know you've played in a way. lot of
0: bands. You've played in a lot of bands, Aaron. But so I could say it's a lot of them. But I feel like this is kind of like a, a perfect fit to see you playing in this band now. You know what I mean? Like when I saw it, I was like, "Oh, that makes sense." You know? Oh,
3: awesome! But, yeah. <laughs> You're like the third person to tell me
0: that. Well, I guess. Uh, so,
3: oh, Gerald, thanks, Joe. It's a good the next place.
0: I guess we'll get to the record output in a second.
3: But Aaron reminded
0: me. I, I don't want to forget. I've mentioned this to you, Gerald, uh, with the whole booking shows thing. Like, like, how, like, did you book a lot of shows back then or just like a few, like mainly to to like get you guys on shows or was it like,
1: like, how, like, I, yeah, that's kind of, um, I guess that's kind of how I started it. I was, I was doing it like with next to nothing. So, I mean, I was living with my mom and I was 16 and I somehow started, I don't even, I have no idea how I fell in with this club, but I fell in with this club called Willow 104 in Niagara Falls and I did, The first next to nothing show I did there, it was us and slug and against all hope and I can't remember a couple other bands Um, and that show did all right. And then I think I did another show that had like somebody from Canada, like it was either incision or burst of silence or one of those bands, and then I ended up doing this kind of like all day fast, and it was. Chokehold and Abnegation and Slowpoke that I was talking about from Pittsburgh. Um, this band Solstice that were from Syracuse um, played. I can't remember if. I'm not sure if anybody from Rochester played. I know like I, I know like Jim and like Brad from Contempt were there, but I don't know if either of their bands played. But yeah, like so like all these people showed up at the show. And then like the club owners were like oh, this is great. Let's do this all the time. And I'm just like, no, you can't do this. Like every week, like I can't like 200 people aren't going to show up like every week for like local hardcore show or even a regional hardcore show. Like, I'm sorry to like some like hole in the wall in Niagara Falls. Yeah, we did like, like one other show there. And it was just weird. Like, I remember the owners took us up in their office, like took me and, and Kyle Bishop from grade and like Ryan, the singer from Burst of Silence, and I, I think like Greg Taylor from Grade was there, and we're all like, "Yeah, we're we're gonna rent a bus and we'll bus bus all your fans in from Canada." It was like I don't know what these people were thinking. Like, like you're hey, you're like talking to like sixteen to like eighteen year olds about like bussing your fans in from another country. Like, I don't, it was it was bizarre. Those people like obviously had no idea like. They just like saw like, oh, this fucking young kid brought all these people here. I want this to happen all the time, you know? So yeah, that didn't, my relationship with them didn't really work out. And then, yeah, I did some booking here and there. Like um, it was kind of funny and sad at the same time, but um, uh, uh, the show that Next to Nothing played in Syracuse um, where our singer didn't show up, we ended up playing some covers and one of the covers happened to be Can We Win by Mouthpiece and Tim and Tracy, um, his his girlfriend, now wife, Tim, the singer from Mouthpiece, were walking into the Lost Horizon as we started playing that song um, and witnessed, you know, the, you know the, my terrible 16-year-old band like probably do a, a fairly poor job of covering um, his band's song. Um, but i did actually end up befriending them at the show and they actually like took me and nick bear and the singer from from half mass took us back to jersey with them for the weekend and like we hung out with them and it was we saw a mouthpiece we saw Snapcase, and sick of it all like in long island it was really fucking cool but um sad at the same time because uh, our singer didn't show up and we played covers at like a really it was like a huge it was like Earth crisis and chorus of disapproval and strife, like all these like huge bands, like we like McKay gave us a shot, like opening for these bands, and like our singer didn't show up, and um, yeah. So
0: was were you booking still like the <laughs> Hourglass there then, or not? Not as much. It was mo- like, um like,
1: not more- as much. Like I said, like um like I so I befriended uh, Mouthpiece, so I booked Mouthpiece locally a couple of times, and like Jeremy Smith from uh, the Control and Half Mast and, and Dead Hearts. Um, we booked a couple shows together. And then the last show that I remember booking, i, I actually I booked uh, Damnation a couple times. And the last show that I booked was Earth Crisis and Damnation and Guilt in Lockport. And it was the night before like unbroken was out on their last like their their run when they originally broke up um and so i did the show i don't think Hourglass didn't play but um we made all this freaking all this vegan food for them and like it wasn't really well attended and their earth Crisis's tour manager was trying to like shake me down for money and i'm just like dude like it is what it is like i made you all this food and like duncan and and you know like mike and ken like all the dudes in damnation and kilt they're all just like super nice and just like glad that like you know, we, we put some of them up the night before and like, um, they are just happy to be there. And like those earth crisis guys are real jerks to me. Um, but like I said, I, I immediately left that show and drove to New Jersey to see the one of the final unbroken shows. But that was the last show that I ever did. Cause I was just like, this isn't like, this just sucks. Like I'm, this isn't worth it to me. I, I was doing it to like have fun and kind of help my band out or help some of my friends out along the way as I like was yeah. making these connections out of town. And like, yeah it just it just wasn't worth
0: it yeah i booked a ton of shows here like 20 years ago so i was like hearing like old stories of people who like book shows before me or even during or after my era i guess but um the story you're talking about the the guy in canada makes me think of the guy from the penny arcade probably would have pulled some similar weird shit like that like there's (laughs) always a weird club owner that's like when i booked the penny arcade it was definitely a different owner than you were talking about in the 80s or whatever like there was some really shady people there in the 80s and the 90s and the guy that i booked with was kind of shady too but not as shady as some of these other people so um <laughs> but i guess uh kind of diving back into the hourglass um so yeah there were some demos and then how like how did the how did the relationship with immigrant son and then the the split came out on Mukau, right so how did they, the relationship with those guys come all come about
2: yeah
1: i think um we i think sean and pat saw us in syracuse um, we did one of those, we did, a, uh, we got invited back as hourglass, um, after the next nothing debacle for another one of those like big, like they had like all day, um, new year's show every year. Um, and we ended up opening that. I think they caught us there and then they invited us to play Ithaca. Um, I think we played Ithaca a couple times. I can't remember the line. I know we played with kiss a goodbye there. I can't remember. I, I know we played there twice, um, on the Cornell campus. But we just kind of formed a relationship with those guys, and we stayed with them. And they, you know, they were putting a, the label together because Pat um, was in the band Saren, which I think was the very first release that they did. Um, and then I can't—I think they did one. There might have been a there. There were three seven inches that they originally did, and we were one of the three. I can't remember whether we were the second or the third. And I can't, for the life of me, right now, I can't remember who the the other artist was that was like that was the third seven inch. But I know Saren. That was Pat's band was the first one. And then we were, we were either the second or the third.
0: Yeah. Most of the stuff I think I had on immigrant Sun came afterwards, like no reason. And I want to say there was like what, knives and green water. I feel like that might've been something. He did some, somebody, something with maybe, but I don't know. Um, yeah, I know
1: the, the biggest thing they did after that was they did that saves the day EP that was, um, after the first equal vision record. Um, that was like what really like helped the label out tremendously. Um and then they did a lot of early stuff. Um Kevin Devine, who's like pretty popular, like kind of singer, songwriter guy now. Um they put out some of his earlier band and I think the earlier Kevin Devine solo records too.
0: It
2: must, it must have been, been Joshua, right? What's that? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's who was, that's who it was, definitely. So it was Joshua, Saren, and us.
0: Has has Emigrant Sun been active this whole time or did he did he start doing the label again to digital oh, photography?
1: Yeah, he stopped for it was almost um, 15 years that he that he had stopped. Um, But yeah, he randomly, uh, I I guess, to kind of get into a little bit more with that, he he just like messaged me um, the day before New Year's um, of, I guess, 2020. So December 2020. And it was just like, hey, man, um, I'm thinking about getting the label back together. He's like, you know, I've had some pretty turbulent times in my life recently. And it's like, I'm turning 50 next year and the label's 25, it's the 25th anniversary. Um, and he's like, I'd love to do a discography for you guys. So that really was like the, the impetus for all for all of this, you know, um, because from that, like I got together, like, well, first I tried to get, see if, if uh, I could get Matt and Joe on board. Cause Michael and I tried to do this, like, um, Maybe five years prior, and it didn't end up panning out. Um, but first, to try to get Matt and Joe on board, who are the the bass player and guitar player um, for most of our our quote unquote uh, early career, um, and they were finally they they just they've got too much going on in their lives and they couldn't they couldn't commit to it. So then I wanted I I started um, with with Bill, who is local in Buffalo. Um, Michael actually is in Vermont. Um, and then I also wanted to get Marcus on board who Marcus is in Pittsburgh. And then, so, so I had the drummer locally. I, I really kind of wanted to keep the, the rhythm section locally if I could. And Aaron was like the first person that, that popped into my head. Just, it, it was funny. Cause he, he, he says like, you know, there's this like weird, like anecdote. Like I would see him randomly. Like we were always like, you know, Hey, what's up? Kind of like buds with one another. Um, but it, it was nothing more than that. But every time I would see him he would he would do the intro line like an air guitar the intro line to consume like our, our one song um, and it just like became this like thing it was just like fucking funny but it it's it's funny because that stuck with me like it was there's literally like you know years and years and years that this was this was going on for years um but yeah i mean that that stuck with me and i'm just like you know thinking about like after i knew that the matt and joe weren't going to do it and trying to think of like who could we get to play bass like it just like he was the first one that popped in my head, and it just seemed like a perfect fit. And honestly, like it, it, it really has been. Like I couldn't ask for a better human to be playing the the five, <laughs> the five, the five low strings with us.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I think the the ask was also um, Gerald and I have sort of long since hourglass tried to, you know, have some. Other opportunity to to work together, and I think getting this back together um, was was always a, a a desire. And I think when Sean asked him, it was kind of like, "Yeah, I, I don't want to do this unless we're gonna kind of dig in again, because that's what." ultimately was really exciting about all this was like creating yeah,
1: like we just stuff. don't want to get together and like oh let's just play these five old songs and whatever let's and call the, it a day
2: <laughs> show. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah 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 So <laughs> it was like all right how are we gonna you know do that again and it 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 wasn't a you know desire of let's play a show it was uh like let's kind of get back to work
0: for sure and that's and, and i guess now that we're talking about all the current Oh, uh, like iteration of the band, how, like, it's gotta be hard then to do that. Like, obviously with you having three of the guys in Buffalo, you guys can all practice together. Like, then how do you, like, how, how
2: does the rest of the, the song? I have an iPhone and I, I like, yeah, that's, me, that's like, really all it is, me, man. Like, Literally send me recordings of like from their iPhone, Gerald's iPhone. And then I have an app, and I can literally do like a 50 track recording, like just practicing and playing around. It's like crazy. I mean, yeah. we've been in the room, all five of us in the room together.
3: <laughs> yeah. Three, three or four times. Twice. Twice. Twice.
1: Twice. Yeah. The technology <laughs> <I> have nowadays. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah yeah that's that's i mean that's i guess mean, that's not something crazy to think about like then versus now obviously like i always say because i interview a lot of people from like like the 90s and 2000s and you know i'm not not a lot of the bands got back together you know but now it's interesting to see like i don't i i don't i think it'd be a lot harder to have done this back then obviously you know you would have to have, like send yeah, like a tape true. or uh hold the phone up or something you know what i mean yeah no it's still <laughs> right? alive we yeah. were still
2: no. passing around pieces of paper yeah like that was, that was uh, <laughs> yeah, like, writing letters and stuff is, you know yeah. someone gerald you posted somebody posting a kinko's card i was like holy yeah shit, yeah <laughs> <back> to like <laughs> 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 So
1: antiquated you know? yeah <laughs> no, for real like like honestly um josh this has been like the the easiest time i've ever had like writing music in my life and i i've played music since i've been 15 years old pretty much nonstop, in in one way or another with what whatever band and, and whatever people and i don't think the the distance hasn't really been that big of a factor in our writing because we're all like like you like we're we're adults we have other stuff going on so like the fact that we we can kind of let it be like a slow burn and let some of this stuff simmer, like, is like, great. It, it allows us to, you know, really hone in on everything. That's, I was talking to Michael before we got on and that's, what I was saying like, it was great. Like we had the practice recordings to start. Then we demoed like a majority of the songs for the album. Then we went in and recorded just the music for the album. Then Michael did some of the vocals and then took a breather and then came back and like, worked on those vocals more and then added more and has done that four different times so like we've we've had the ability to build upon like what we started with and make it into something like much greater than where it was just due to circumstance and due to the technology on top of it like it's i don't know it's been great
0: now with yeah. with i'm sorry michael but with writing current <laughs> songs and, and this is for all open for all you guys obviously like has the influence for the sound like been similar to what you guys were, were doing before? Or is it like, are you are you like doing something a little different now? It's, yeah, I'd yeah, say it's I a mean, little- For
2: me, it's like, I, yeah. I, I sort of connected to the blues in the last like 10 years. And to me, it's like the one of the most like punk rocky, like, you know, genres of music. Um, so that's been a big influence to the way I approach this stuff. Um, and then, uh, uh, yeah, just the, the, it runs the gamut. So it's not anything in particular, but that's the thing. Those are the kinds of things that stand out when you're thinking you're playing hardcore music or whatever it is. And we start thinking and referencing the talking heads, <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. that to me is the interesting thing about now is that seems, that doesn't seem odd. That seems like, you know part and parcel of what we're we're doing
1: yeah i think when we first approached it um I definitely and and i know aaron aaron and i have talked about this a bit like like we approached it from a little bit of the perspective of like okay like we're a band that's coming back like whatever 20 25 years after the fact like what would somebody that was into the band back in the 90s like what would they want to hear from us now And I feel like the first few songs that we worked on, like we kind of tried to take some of the, the more like, I I guess like quote unquote like signature things or some of the things that we did in those old songs and kind of, you know, threw it in the blender of like where we're at more now musically. Um, And I think that that's like where we started and it's just like grown into its own kind of beast now where we've, even we we've definitely evolved beyond that and i think I think we're being more adventurous and just really trying a lot of different things that especially like a, a lot of uh, i guess quote unquote hardcore bands like that's why i don't even know where we we fit in now it's like it's like a post-rock weird i don't know we're doing so many different things and just kind of throwing it into this pot but it's i don't know that the, it's becoming more than like the some of its all parts
0: Aaron do you have anything to add to how you uh, approach the uh,
3: <laughs> joining hourglass well it's uh, it's, been, it's awesome because uh, like I said I didn't know these guys really when they were in the band thought, oh hey man what's up you know and uh, when Gerald asked me to do it you know I was like yeah of course uh, I was really stoked about it and getting in a room with it started with him and Bill uh, the drummer now and um Everything just comes really easily. I feel like I have to kind of keep them in check because I'm like, I'm approaching it like a, uh, an old uh, super fan of the group. I'm like, come on, guys. It's got to get noisier. It's got to get crazier. <laughs> <laughs> but then, uh, I don't know. Gerald reels me in sometimes. And sometimes I feel like I challenge him a bit to get a, uh, a little wackier. Not that he needs That's help good. with that. Don't get me wrong, but it, it, my type of wacky. I like to smear it all over everybody around me. <laughs> no, it's good. Mm-hmm. We, all, it's we all definitely, Like we get together each like older, two, for sure. yeah, exactly <laughs> two, at least twice a week. So it's like we haven't stopped in like a year. So I feel like we already see like the progression of the of the songs just from when we started a year ago. Now we're already in this kind of different phase of of sounds but we haven't even released the record yet so it's going to be an adventure it's fun <laughs> <laughs> and
0: i'm I'm kind of curious uh as i said before i booked a ton of shows and like in my travels i stayed at a few hostels but i never i never booked a show at a hostel so i'm curious like how yeah. that all how that all <laughs> came about for you guys you know, yeah, yeah you did. Oh, I just,
1: I had yeah. just seen a couple. Yeah, I, I did see a couple shows there, and um, I, I asked my one friend who I knew, like, um, knew who booked there, and it was funny, um, because the guy that actually is like runs the hostel and is is over the 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 space that they have there, like, helped book my my indie rock band like ten years ago, and he totally remembered me, and he was super nice and super hospitable and like we're definitely like welcome back there whenever and it was it was honestly like the perfect room for the show that we did like we didn't want it to be like some big to do we kind of like we almost like weren't going to announce it until like a day or two beforehand and then like we ended up announcing it maybe a little bit over a week out um mm-hmm. but yeah i mean there's you know the, there's probably i think like 70 people paid and was like you know it was comfortable because obviously we're still in in covid times um, so I didn't like that was the other thing I, I was didn't want like some super packed like basement or something. Um, so it just felt comfortable and like a lot of people massed up and, you know, I, I don't it just a really nice night. It was, it was a good time. I couldn't have asked for like a better like comeback and like especially where we were at at that point in time. And, you know, everything that we had done over whatever the past nine months before that.
0: And I guess that would obviously lead to not the obvious question about you guys like practicing and releasing new music like like obviously like you said like with us still kind of being in COVID like pandemic times and you know the, the future looks a little better but it's still kind of foggy like like w- like what would you guys say like as far as shows like just like like a one off here and there like like have you guys talked about it at all or
1: yeah I think we'd like to do something um our the discography should be um out in April so i'm hoping like by may that we could do like at least have like a weekend booked or maybe even two weekends just like like regional stuff or we'd like to do um like one weekend and go to somewhere like syracuse or albany and then go out to vermont because michael's done a lot of traveling to buffalo and we haven't been able to return that favor so he's constantly making this like seven hour drive um to come help and we've, we've gone down and practiced with marcus in pittsburgh but then I'd like to go in the other direction and do like a Erie in Pittsburgh or something like that. Um, just like once we have some some physical media in hand and be able be able to to push it and have something to, you know, like we're proud of this and we're, we're doing it. But at the same time, like it was even odd, like with our, our first show back, like we didn't play a lot of the songs off of that because we're just in this like new mode of this is where we're at. And I think that, that you know, the the new stuff definitely threw some people for a loop, I don't think. it it maybe for some, it wasn't what they're expecting or, you know, like, like I said, we are conscious of trying to, you know, not verge verge too far from the lane that we are in. But at the same time, like, you know, it's 25 years later, we're, we're different people at this point. We're, you know, middle-aged adults. So, um, we've lived a lot more life. So, um, I don't know. But I what Aaron, what were those comments that you said that that um people made? Not that they were like uncomfortable by us, but um (laughs) oh
3: wait, oh yeah, let me remember somebody they were more oh what was it? They were like there were like two
1: or three different people that you like talked to, like right in a short span of time.
3: (laughs) Uh it was confusing. I remember that. It was confusing, but I loved it was one of uh no that's
1: definitely what i was looking for was that like that it was confusing like they're confused by what we were doing because like but it was awesome you know,
3: yeah good. i'll, I'll t- i will take that absolutely <laughs> yeah,
1: and good. i had that's i I, I had a lot of feedback that it was like really intense which that's kind of like that that makes me really happy because i think that's like what especially in the the with the live show like i that's something i want to oh yeah that's, and that's, that's when i i really like seeing bands that like I just see them and like, you're almost like borderline, like threatened by them. Cause they're just like really like in their zone, like fucking doing their thing. Like, you know? So, um,
2: yeah. And that's what yeah. I think that's the primary thing that this band has had and has is that intensity. Uh, it's an intense sound, but I think the performance to me is the big, thing going back to it it was then and it's now where I think that that energy and what everybody like throws in uh I think is pretty awesome and um and I think that's the thing that even in these you know evolutions um you know in this uh newer uh, material that's coming out um it still has that Like, all the sounds have it. Have you approached, like, writing lyrics any differently now that you're, I guess, for lack of a better word, a little older now than you were 25 years ago? ago? Yeah, I do. But the core, I'm still surprised how, um, like, I'll listen to their recordings, like, a hundred times just to sort of listen to it. And then I'm always amazed where it's just, like, it comes out you know and it's just like it can take me 15 minutes um but now i i still can do that but it's so much more like editing thinking about different ways to like utilize the uh the you know the bridge in the song and like thinking about it structurally in that way and like as a process more than you know just what I end up with. So that's been, that's been a lot of fun. And I would, uh, I drive an hour here in Vermont, this beautiful landscape. And I literally, all the first recordings I did like full blast that I would say to Gerald, it was like the full blast was the thing. It's like, we're, I'm going full blast. And I did it in my truck on these drives. Like, so all my recordings that I sent back over have the like whoosh, whoosh, of the vehicle going like 50 miles an hour. <laughs> um, but it was that kind of, yeah, that, that intensity had to be there. And it's like, where the hell do I do that by myself? You know, and it's like yeah. driving.
1: <laughs> so I totally. I just remember, yeah, I suggested it to you the one night, and you're like, "Yeah, why don't I do that? Like, cool. I have all this time." Yeah. And um, it's a, it's just kind of funny because the um, the there is a demo of one of our new songs up on Bandcamp, and uh, the the vocal track that's on it was recorded from Michael's iPhone, Going headphones, in, 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 wow. yeah, <laughs> in the front of his truck, and like, he sounds fucking unhinged, and it's it's excellent, and I love it. So, you know. <laughs> it works uh, I have, the processes a, are we working. have a video for that song <laughs> that's been
2: in process for like 6 months and it it's it's essentially footage of me driving and you know you know doing the song it's yeah it's a dash cam like <laughs> so hopefully that will come out but it's it's on my end with with somebody that you know they're doing this for fun so it just takes a long time
0: I'm guessing on the new record that we'll talk about in a few minutes, your vocals won't be recorded in
2: the, uh truck. No, they haven't been. And it's one of the things that I keep saying. I I talked to Jay and I'm working with the guy Vincent at the underground here in Vermont, Randolph. And uh, I told both of them, I'm just like, I I hear this like you know, voice when I'm getting these really super crystal clear things. And I'm like, I want that noise that's behind me, like in the truck when I'm driving, like, um, so that atmosphere around it was important, um, er, early, but now that I've done it, I mean, i have just for what we've done, I've had four sessions. So now it's just been a lot of fun and like figuring out how to utilize that as a tool. Um, so it's been, uh, it's been fun. Yeah, so I guess we'll,
0: we'll talk about the new record in a second. And obviously, I'll post all this stuff in the show notes. But uh, the discography is up for pre-order now uh, from Immig- Immigrant Son or from you guys or both?
1: Um, it's up on uh, the immigrants. It's Immigrant Records dot Um So it's all kind of packaged up. There's different options. Um, there's a couple of different bundles. And there's a T-shirt. And there's a, um, a really nice silkscreen poster. And then... Um, these uh, wood uh, LP holders that Sean actually is, is fabricating, helped to fabricate himself. He has, um, he's, he's worked on a farm for years, and he had um, all this reclaimed barn wood um, that he's able to get um, that he's fabricating these uh, LP holders out of. So yeah, and then there's three different variants on the vinyl. Um, there was some test presses, but I believe they're all they're all spoken for now. Um, but there's, there's a yellow, a blue and a green variant and all of the, um, cover art is going to be hand painted by Sean and all of the, the color, there's kind of like a, uh, Jackson Pollock esque splatter okay. of sorts on it. And, um, each one's going to have a color to coincide with the, with the vinyl for each record. Okay, cool. So, yeah.
0: Are those guys actively like, like going to be doing more records on Immigrant Center or is it, or is it mostly just working with yeah? Immigrants? They are even doing much. Oh shows? no, he
1: he's 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 uh, I believe it's a one man show now. Um I don't think Pat is doing much um with the label anymore. Um I know Sean and Pat are still um good buds, but I, I don't think Pat has much to do with the label. It's it's I think it's pretty much Sean. Um but I know right now he's doing uh he has got a, a limited vinyl version for the new Morser record who are uh kind of metallic, uh, kind of heavy, almost like death metal band from uh, from Germany. So, yeah, he's working. I believe that's the next release. And um, I know he's been looking for some other opportunities, um, but I'm not sure exactly what else he has on deck yet. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's really like a wait and see like, like he's really just trying to kind of get back into the, the driver's seat here and get his bearings and, and figure stuff out, you know, so sounds
0: like the pressing plants haven't really affected you guys with this uh knock on wood so far so yeah
1: it a little bit i think we were um i mean he shopped uh, like 20 or 25 different plants um and the the plant that we ended up going to i think quoted him somewhere between a four and five month turnaround which really isn't bad all things considered um i know a lot of plants like won't even take new customers right now like it's just insane um but I think it's it got delayed, I don't know, maybe like two or three months. Um, because we were supposed to have the test presses in like August or early September. And I don't think we got them until like the end of October or November. And then we we just approved them. So yeah. Um yeah, it's coming along.
0: <laughs> yeah. So I guess getting into the the new record a little bit, I, I think technically you guys are the second uh hell-minded artist I've had because I had uh, Greg and Donnie from one up on here. Uh
1: oh nice oh you know,
0: yeah and they did the discography he he, he did that too right that's I'm, I'm, the same yeah he know. did that
1: was that yeah. was the last record that that came out well either did that well that's the last actual release i think he did the there was a second press of that the honey record came out uh subsequently but um yeah the one up discography and then he's got the autumn discography is coming out um next i know that's up for pre-order right now but yeah, oh, yeah. no it's been awesome joe joe just reach out to us he was just been kind of uh, aware that things were kind of percolating and he saw the he saw the stuff um, happening with Immigrant Son. Um, and that's kind of what he's doing with the label is he likes the the fact that we're kind of like um, what you call like a legacy band, like we're a band that's been doing it for a while. And now we're, we're coming back and he likes kind of telling that comeback story like he's been doing some of these discographies and then he's got a lot of new active bands as well. Um, put out the new no escape record um i know he's got some other no escape stuff in in the kitty um coming up and he's got um a new band easy prey coming out of texas uh and a bunch of i don't know he's got a whole bunch of stuff lined up i can't even get into it <laughs> into it all or i can't even remember it all to be honest yeah didn't
0: you know um, a shades apart record at some point too
1: yeah he did that yeah. was one of the earlier records that he did it was that shades apart 12 inch
0: yeah, it's crazy it's I'm you know, pretty diverse a lot like you said a lot of legacy stuff obviously so that's cool um and obviously you you, you know you and i were talking before the episode started uh, i mean it'll be a little bit after when this episode airs but you guys pretty much finished tracking that new record today right
1: yeah i just finished kind of doing the last little bit of guitar stuff that i needed to do um like like i said earlier um, michael's kind of been splitting up his stuff and he did a majority of it um Sunday. in Vermont a few weeks ago. Yeah. And then he just he just um there's one part that he really um wasn't too pleased with that he, you know, was just on his mind and like was able to get back like two weeks later. So yeah, he was just there Sunday, wrapped up his stuff. It sounds incredible. He's been working on the actual the the what we think is gonna be the lead track for the album. Um so yeah, we're all just really stoked on everything. And like like Aaron said, it's just been really easy, like we just have a whole bunch of riffs that we've been passing back and forth like on our phones like we just have a mountain of stuff that we can call from and you know if we you know do some shows around the discography obviously i think we need to you know work out a couple of those older tunes because i'm sure obviously if we're trying to push those those records um people might want to hear us play a few more of those songs so um so yeah i think we've got we definitely got a more than enough on our plates now to keep us busy for the next little while
0: are you other two guys happy with the way things have turned out with the recording process it's yeah absolutely awesome. yeah, it's,
3: it's awesome. been a good time it's been a lot of fun jay Bricky did a great job and uh i can't wait to hear the finished uh product it's a lot of fun it came together awesome it feels very serendipitous <laughs> i've been waiting all day to use that word <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's nice because we never put out
1: an, an LP. I mean, we did the two we did the two demos, really just the one the one demo with Michael. Um, we did the seven inch and then we did the split twelve inch with New Day Rising. And honestly, like half of those songs were like songs from the demo. Um, because it was just towards the end of our run and we didn't really have a lot of material at that point. Um yeah. so there are obviously there were new songs on it, but yeah, we did we did um recycle a couple or updated some from from the demo. Actually, the one june is the month for me i mean we wrote in the studio i think i showed you guys that riff like two or three days before we left like i just had (sighs) this kind of like weird like rocky riff and it just like kind of came together in the studio um so i'm just glad that regardless if it's been 25 years or or whatever that we're actually like putting out a full length and we're not just like kind of starting with a demo or an ep like we're really coming out swinging and like making a statement and I, I'm I don't know, I'm really proud of it. And I, I know it's gonna be it's gonna be good. Yeah.
2: I've really loved the the breath that we've been able to take because it's it's not rushed. And it was critical for me in a couple of ways, but one I just I I was writing lyrics and placing things and developing things with the recordings from <laughs> from Jay. So it was like uh, really awesome to have that opportunity and then to split, you know, kind of do one session, we did four songs and then I, you know, got to hear those, think about what I was missing. You know, it was just like, it's just been a really great process. Um, and it was like, because I wasn't in the room with these guys, um the the delay of you know their grind that they've been doing for months prior to like me being able to really dig in i think the the gravity of the recording um took what over what already was something you know that i was passionate about and putting a lot into but really it turned that that volume up uh, when do you think?
0: Uh, when do you guys? I mean, obviously, ballpark at this point with everything. But like, what's the estimate on like putting this this record out and everything?
1: Well, I'm hoping um, in originally talking to Joe from Hellminded, we might be able to do like a do one or two songs digitally right up front, and then obviously do the LP. I mean, the vinyl. Even at, at our current time frame, we're looking like late fall at at the soonest. I mean, because I know the plant that he uses is, I think, like seven to eight months out. So even if we were to deliver it tomorrow, which we're obviously not not ready for, then we still got to deal with that. I mean, maybe things will improve over, you know, the course of this year. Who knows? I know there's a lot more plants out there now. Um, obviously, like, you know, the Adele records out in the world and, uh, you know, but I'm sure there's going to be like a new Foo Fighters or or whatever else is going to, you know, a new Taylor Swift record that is going to come and like have to like, suck it all up, But I I, I really can't see how, you know, one or two major artists have really, uh, I think there's more to the story, you know, behind these delays than than just, you know, these few people. I just think it's, you know, there's still, as crazy as I I, I still can't believe it's happening. I mean, the, the vinyl resurgence is still, you know, here and it's still pretty strong. So,
0: I feel like I saw an interview with Todd Jones like before COVID where he was talking about how a lot of this has to do with Record Store Day, which my girlfriend's a big fan of that. Like, and I have no no qualms with it, but like, I guess like all like the Record Store Day like limited edition stuff and whatnot like that takes up like a lot of pressing plants and like like you were alluding to before too though like like Taylor Swift and Foo Fighters will put out like how many thousands of
1: yeah exactly uh,
0: LPs you know and this is a but random
1: like no, Sean man. did, he shopped around to like a bunch, like he literally like put messages into 25 different plants, you know? So, I mean, I, I think there's places that you can find that, you know, can get it done sooner. But, you know, obviously certain labels like working with certain plants and it's just, you know, part of the part of the business right now.
0: And this is a completely random aside, but I noticed earlier when I was looking at your guys' band camp that you had the digital uh, transfer done by somebody whose last name is Winnicky. And uh, that's my girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. That's my girlfriend's last name. And anytime her mom ever sees anybody with that last name, she always says they're related. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's and they're from Buffalo, too. So I'm guessing that person's from.
1: Oh, that's funny. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's he's, he's yeah. definitely from the Buffalo area. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't
0: doubt that they're related somehow because her mom is related to like she has like a ridiculously huge family and they're all like either Winnekees
1: or Conwalls. So I. Uh, oh, that's so. <laughs>
0: Certainly down the line somewhere I have to ask her mom or dad or whatever.
1: Um well um that certain uh, Matt Winneke has an amazing hi-fi setup and can do some really <laughs> awesome vinyl transfers. So <laughs>
0: I'll have to see if there's a, a real relation there. Um <laughs> I feel like we probably could have glossed over the nineties a little bit more or whatever, but um, I guess kind of wrapping things up a little bit, is there anything I I missed that you guys would have wanted to touch on uh with anything uh in this interview?
2: I mean, I'm I'm curious why you why you call it enterprise. I, I was curious, <laughs> enterprise <laughs> hardcore. Yeah, just curious. Um, well, it's kind
0: of a dumb funny story. I used to do uh, a fanzine called The Right Path, which uh, Aaron's old band Lockjaw made the cover on uh, issue number two. Um, and I watched <laughs> uh, I watched Seinfeld a lot back then, and Kramer always had Kramerica Enterprises. And when oh, yeah. I started booking when I started booking a lot of hardcore shows, I called it TRP Enterprises, but that sounded yeah. really dumb. So I was like, Enterprise Enterprise booking sounds kind of cool. And then eventually I was doing a record label and a fanzine. Oh, yeah. So the whole thing was called Enterprise Hardcore. It's nothing to do with Star Trek and it's nothing to do with me trying to like. And I wouldn't even I, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. even think of Star yeah. Trek. It's all total
2: weird. Like I thought, you would have thought of Kramerica Enterprises either. So (laughs) (laughs) it has a bit of a it has a bit of a sense of humor, and I think that would be the one thing that I would say we didn't touch on is that we've never really taken ourselves like overly serious, and I think that's what allows us to like be flexible and like you know shift and try something because like we have fun doing it. And like, yeah, kind of connecting with a Kramer character in the way that you're processing your your like intensity, like makes it better, <laughs> you
0: know. So, and in real life, I'm nothing like Kramer or the person who portrayed him, <laughs> him and had that certain outburst years later. Um, I'm nothing like him on either front. So it's just was- so weird. Thing I happened to like the <laughs> show back then or whatever. So
2: yeah, yeah. no. In real life, we're, the three of us I think, or I'll speak for the three of us, none of us are like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I
0: definitely look forward to uh to actually meeting all you guys in person uh in the near future. I, Aaron, obviously, I've met before, and Gerald and I have talked on uh, social media a lot, but I don't think we've ever actually met in person.
1: So it'll be fun to either help. I you have been talking. I've been talking to Sorier. So yeah. just gotta find the right just gotta find the right time yeah
0: he's a good dude we'll definitely we'll definitely get something here so um yeah yeah yeah, but obviously like i said i'll link the the info for the new records in the show notes and everything um is there anything else you guys want to add or any shout outs or anything
1: no just thank you for doing this i mean um i know we've been trying to catch up for a while but yeah anything we can do to try to get the word out about the discography or the new record or just the band in general it's just difficult navigating this as I, I keep on alluding to my age but you know navigating the musical realm that we're in playing you know a somewhat offshoot of hardcore um as older gentlemen where do you where do you go with that you know it's like I I obviously like follow a lot of like more modern hardcore stuff and like you know I've been seeing a lot of videos from from FYA fast down in in Miami and it's just like all these just like, big like burly dudes just like going fucking crazy like beat the shit out of one another and like yeah like i like yes that's like the part of hardcore and like the I, I get the the bands and like getting them all amped up but like i that's not what we're doing you know so like where like what what would that scene think of us now like i mean because we always played like weird show like with like weird heavy bands or like more generic bands or we we played with any band i mean i i think we still could now and it it would be fine um but i i don't know where where we fit compared to the 90s if we're gonna make a you know a comparison i know you you said we didn't touch on the 90s much where like i felt like we have kind of found our place and like found that little niche um as we progressed as a band um and and in what we were doing but yeah it's going to be interesting to see because we're not doing stuff like your the your more popular and atypical hardcore bands that are out there right now. <laughs> no slight to the anybody doing whatever they're doing. I you know, whatever people can be creative and do what they want to do. But um, I'm I'm just interested in where where we're gonna land.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Either well one. said. Me too. I was going to
0: hear when you guys have any other where are we
1: land. <laughs> oh, I, me and Aaron have had these conversations before, so it's not it's not unfamiliar territory for him by any means. <laughs> well,
0: I, I appreciate you guys taking the time to do this tonight. Uh, like I know you said, Gerald, it's been a long time coming, so I'm I'm glad we got the time to do it. Um, I'm sure we'll be talking more in the future. Uh, like I said, I'll put the information to the record in the show notes. Uh, I think this is going to wrap up episode 59. Uh, thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, as always, thanks to Rob Antonucci, Greg Benoit and Jim Byrne for all the help with the podcast. Uh, thanks to my family for the support and see everyone real soon and stay safe.